Welcome to the AFP Report. This is your host, John Friend. Today is Tuesday, December 26th, 2023. The AFP Report is a podcast series where I will be interviewing reporters and contributors to American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, as well as other special guests. Please consider subscribing to the newspaper if you are not already. Subscription details can be found at AmericanFreePress.net. Today, I'm joined by Don Jeffries, an independent author, historian, and a regular contributor to American Free Press. All right, Don Jeffries, welcome back to the program, sir. How are you today? Hey, John. It's been too long. Good to be back. Yeah, definitely. It's good to catch up, man. Um, first off, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a very Merry Christmas to all of our listeners and subscribers to American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. If you are not already a subscriber, please do go out and pick up a subscription today. Details can be found at AmericanFreePress.net, or you can call 1-888-699-6397 Monday through Thursday from 8 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we have people in the office that can help you out with any questions you may have, or if you want to purchase a subscription or order any books or anything of that nature, do feel free to use that 888 number. Um, there's always somebody there to answer your call. Um, Don, yeah, man, it's been it's been far too long since we spoke. I think the last time I was just mentioning before we started, I think the last time you were on was in April, and there's a lot that has happened since then, obviously. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot to talk about. You are, of course, an independent historian, an author, a radio host. I know AFP covers, I think, all of your books, or at least most of them, if not all yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've written a number of books about hidden history and conspiracies and all sorts of topics, including um, one of your most recent books was about the COVID-19 deception, the, the COVID-19 hoax, right. which is right. uh, very interesting, yeah. Um, so anyways, you've written a number of books. You're also a radio host, and of course, you are a regular contributor to American Free Press. You have been for a number of years now, and you also maintain your own personal Substack page, which I follow mm-hmm. closely and will have linked when I post this podcast program. Now, hey. la- yeah, now last week, just before the Christmas weekend, we finalized issue 51 and 52, which was the final issue of 2023. I can't believe the year is already basically over at this point. Um, mm-hmm. You, of course, had a couple articles published in this most recent issue, issue 51 and 52, that I do want to talk about, as well as some of the other pieces written by some of the other contributors. First off, though, we have to address the front page story, which is still a, a, a pretty relevant topic, I think, even today, um, you know, five or six days after the news broke. Uh, it's dealing with the Colorado Supreme Court decision. The front page story mm-hmm. is titled, let's see here, let me actually pull up the newspaper. The front page is titled, Rigged Again, Far-Left Group Democrat Judges Team Up to Shut Down GOP Frontrunner. And I'm just going to read briefly from this front page article, and then I'd like to get your take, Don. It says here, in another blatant attempt to rig the 2024 presidential election, four liberal Democrat-appointed Colorado State Supreme Court justices ruled on December 19th that former President Donald Trump who is currently dominating the polls for the 2024 presidential election, is, quote, disqualified from holding the office of president under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Despite never being convicted of or even charged with insurrection in a 4-3 decision, the activist judges still ruled that that Trump engaged in this illegal act 
for his participation in the events of January 6, 2021, the raucous protest at the U.S. Capitol that featured countless federal operatives and informants. As a result, they declared Trump ineligible to hold public office, and his name cannot appear on the Republican primary ballot on March 5th of 2024. Other states are considering similar measures, all based on the 1868 provision to the Constitution that was designed to prevent ex-Confederate rebels from seeking or holding political office. So much for democracy and the will of voters. Um, now, the article goes on. It, it was actually this lawsuit, and there's a number of law, similar lawsuits like this that have been leveled against Trump since the 2020 election. And even as soon as he stepped foot in the White House, there was all sorts of, you know, like of these, at these activist groups filing lawsuits against him and, and against his campaign and those who worked for him and him, and, him himself in a sort of like lawfare campaign, um, which has been going on for a very long time. This particular lawsuit was spearheaded by Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, or it's known as CREW, which is a far-left liberal governmental watchdog group originally founded in 2003 by Norman Eisen and Melanie Sloan. Um, This is an organization that has deep ties to the far left, and Trump's campaign even accused it of being funded directly by George Soros, which I have not been able to confirm, but that certainly would not surprise me. This is exactly the type of group that a subversive nation wrecker like George Soros would fund. Um, And, you know, basically this is part of just a broader strategy that we see unfolding, um, this lawfare strategy to sabotage Trump. I mean, again, this has been going on since the moment he stepped foot in the White House. So I'm curious, Don, what did you make of this developing story? Well, I, again, I think it's very, it's very unfortunate, but predictable because, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice. Um, and it, it really is the end, end result of what uh, uh, judicial review gone on steroids. And I, I'm one of the few people I think left that talks about judicial review. And uh, <clears throat> this is not what the checks and balances are supposed to be. God, I'm sorry with my voice. Sorry. <clears throat> um, Thomas Jefferson was certainly very concerned about it at the beginning when John Marshall just usurped uh, the checks and the balance of powers uh, with Marbury versus Madison. And that has become entrenched in our system. So it becomes possible for a court for, as you said, just you know, a majority of uh, four to three decisions, for four judges, basically, or four unelected judges, to just decide that, uh, no, this candidate, he's, he's not allowed to be on the vote. They decide questions like that. That's not the way the, the Constitution is supposed to work, and certainly not the way any democracy, allegedly, is supposed to work. I mean, this is, we've had uh, elected officials in the past uh, elected from prison several times. And uh, this, nobody said, well, they can't, you know, they, they, that's not possible. You can't vote for the prison. We have, we've had dead guys elected that in the last election. The guy won in a landslide. So um, it's, this is very troubling. It's obviously part of an agenda that uh, they, again, you know what I think of Trump, whatever. I think this is all scripted, but symbolically it's very dangerous. And I've written so much about what they're doing to Trump in our name. And uh, this is something, again, where if a, a real, candidate emerges that, that you know might really try to do something uh they can use these precedents right then and just decide well he did this or he allegedly did this as you mentioned he hasn't been convicted of anything i mean the prosecutions are ridiculous to begin with because he's uh, when did it become a crime to complain about the election that's basically what he's being charged with although they're just t- couching in terms of he's an insurrectionist and as you note, there's so many 
Civil War aspect parallels here. And just one of them is the fact that they're trying to, uh, that this is something that uh, goes back to 1868 when they they wanted basically to make it impossible for former Confederates to to have any kind of power. And uh, this is, but this is basically where we are today, where the uh, the woke forces that run things, they are in their minds. Those people that showed up for uh, the January 6th rally were, you know, like the Confederates. They were like secessionists. They were insurrectionists. Yeah, 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 and and it's amazing how that that totally, I mean, like totally media manufactured, totally, um, j- just fabricated narrative of an insurrection on January sixth. I mean, talk about mm-hmm. gaslighting. We had throughout the yeah. summer of 2020, we witnessed a genuine yeah. insurrection yeah. in the form of these BLM terrorists, these Antifa terrorists. I mean, yeah. you can go back and look at video out of Portland, for example where they're literally setting courthouses on fire, attacking yeah. police, attacking yeah. attacking Trump supporters. I mean, even mm-hmm. even prior to Trump stepping foot in the White House in, in yeah. 2015 yeah. when he's running for office, in 2016 when he was running for office leading up to the election, you'd go to a Trump rally and you had to be on guard because you were likely yeah. to get either violently attacked or have something thrown at you right. or be spat upon, which is all a form of assault. Um, or just generally harassed and, and you know accosted by these far left fanatics who were more or less given a free reign to uh, to engage in a genuine insurrection. So this whole this whole narrative and this this strategy by the Democrats is um, r- really only effective because they have the full force of the media behind them. They've just they just repeat the same talking points about an insurrection about. These MAGA extremists posing the greatest threat to the country. That was what Biden was saying as soon as he came into office. Um, yeah. and, and all of the very genuine questions, the very genuine concerns, the very legitimate illegalities uh, you know, associated with the 2020 election that have been spelled out in, in great detail by people like John Eastman, who was one of uh, Trump's legal advisors, who we actually um, wrote about in the previous issue of American Free Press. He's currently being sued, and the the California Bar Association is trying to take away his law license. Um, And, and, I mean, this is an expert in these things, and and the things that he has to say are very legitimate and have been basically ignored and and downplayed not only by the media but also by our – system of justice in this country so the whole thing is rigged it's all based around this fake narrative isn't it yeah and it's and this is why i call it the trump and sign project when when trump first ran i i believe he was this was all designed to happen i believe that he was put in there to uh rally and you know i i certainly uh, you know was was attracted to his 2016 campaign rhetoric but he was pointing out things that we had all behind the scenes, a lot of us had talked about it for a long time. I said, wow, finally somebody's talking about it. And um, the, the fact that he, the, the idea, the reason he's being prosecuted, the reason the, they made the election, I, you know, they, we've had uh, electoral fraud forever. I've written a lot about it, but the 2020 was so in your face and so obvious. And again, I think they do these things on purpose. You know, they plant magic bullets and magic passports and 9-11. They, they want to, and there's, I call them calling cards. They advertise things. So they made it so transparent. Uh, you know, midnight, uh, middle of the night ballot boxes, you know, arriving at poll places and poll workers putting up, uh, you know, covering windows so people can't see in and making people stand a certain distance to observe. I mean, videotaped, uh, you know, counting the same ballots multiple times. All this is real. And yet 
we hear the the, the constant uh, you know refrain is there's no evidence, there's no evidence. And 60 out of 62 courts that uh, the Trump team took this to just just throw it out, wouldn't even look at it. Yeah, it shows you the extent of the corruption. They 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 just because this is this is the uh, this goes to the heart of their uh, their fraudulent reign, their 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 tyranny. If you if they're never going to admit that their electoral process is flawed because and I, I said before, and you know, it goes back to where you start thinking of, uh, you know, Mark Twain or whoever said that if, if voting worked, it would be illegal. But, you know, the idea that especially the people entrenched, whether, whether they were ever going to really let us have a, a decision for anybody, if somebody really dangerous to them came into power. But certainly now, when we look at the kind of authoritarians we have ruling us, it's the same thing, you know, if you were working for a company and you had a really bad boss, everybody hated, was a tyrant, uh, do you think that they would give the workers the option to, you know, okay, well, you can fire me? Because that's essentially what an election is. You're, you, you were supposed to have the option of, hey, you don't like what they're doing, you can throw them out. Now, maybe, I mean, Americans are incredibly stupid, but every election we know, they reelect about 96% of these clowns to office. Uh, I, I just refuse to believe they're that dumb. So I, I think, again, I think this is largely a charade and the, I don't know what they're planning for 2024. I don't know if they're just going to make it so Trump is not allowed to run at all. I mean, there are going to be other states that follow. There are other states saying they're going to they're going to do it. And I don't know, it, it, will, it will probably make him more popular. But they may just say, I'm sorry, you know, you're, you're invalid, all the votes you got. And, and I, they, I think no matter what happens, if Trump somehow got in office, then you would really see, <laughs> you'd probably really see an insurrection then. You would, so either, I don't think anybody's going to accept the results of an election. And that's, that's really a, a, a terrible thing to say about any alleged democracy is that no matter what happens, millions and millions of Americans are, are not going to believe that it's, uh, that it's legitimate. Right. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think, um, well, I mean, we, we saw like as soon as Trump was elected and, and all the, really all throughout his presidency, certainly leading up to the 2020 election, how the, the, the far left, you know, the, these people are very, very well organized and very well coordinated where they can like gin up these like color revolutions with BLM mm -hmm. or Antifa or whatever, whatever cause it is that you remember like the, the feminists that were they were in like the pussy hats. Pussy hats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they have all these different factions that, you know, sort of compromise the, the broader far left that they're able to get in the street, shut down business as usual, make their voices heard. And, and, and I mean, genuinely engage in in, 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 in insurrectionist type activity. I mean, that's the only right. way to describe it. I mean, geez, I remember the 2016 inauguration. Yeah. There was that Disrupt J20 group that was right. openly organizing, talking about how they were going to shut down D.C. They were going to engage in violence and terrorism. And they certainly did that. I mean, right. they were, you know, they were starting buildings on fire. They were breaking windows. They were attacking people in the streets. They were attacking vehicles. I mean, it's outrageous. And, and that was going on as soon as Trump stepped foot in the White House. This latest ruling has been widely viewed. I mean, definitely not by like, you know, your MSNBC commentators and like the far left who hate Trump and, and you know, will do anything. We'll say any we'll, we'll make up any big lie to, you know, to disqualify him or get him off the ballot or, you know, delegitimize his his credibility or his, uh, you know, his candidacy. But m more objective legal observers, guys like Jonathan Turley, for example, even like foreign leaders. We had a quote from uh, 
the president of El Salvador talking about how the United States has lost its ability to lecture any other right. country about democracy. Yes. When yes. you know we're basically you know violating every principle of democracy by you know with this ruling, which I should say, of course, the Trump team is going to appeal to the Supreme Court. We'll see what goes you know where, where that yeah. goes. But the whole the whole effort, I mean, this whole lawfare strategy has been very effective. I mean, obviously, anytime you get tied up in these legal battles, it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of energy, yeah. it takes a lot of resources, a lot of money, a lot of your attention. And this lawfare strategy really is this malicious, far-left attempt to shut down their political opposition. And I mean, I don't, like, how is it, well, it is, I mean, how is this not just blatant tyranny? I mean, we've seen these, these lawfare strategies against all sorts of, of political dissidents. I mean, the first target were, of course, like the more right-wing, white nationalist, alt-right type dissidents. We saw that in the early years of the Trump administration, and, and even before that. But really, you know, it came to it came to the forefront with, you know, in the aftermath of like the Unite the Right rally, for example, mm-hmm. um, and, and and including over the years, and, and certainly under Trump, you know, the the, the targeting of quote unquote anti-Semites who yeah. are basically people that are aware of and criticize Jewish power and influence in society. And of course, those who question the sacrosanct historical narrative, such as the alleged Jewish Holocaust, have long been a target of the state and of lawfare efforts and of malicious groups like the Anti-Defamation League and the Southern Poverty Law Center. But now we're at a point where the left is increasingly engaging in lawfare against just typical MAGA supporters, including yes. the former president himself. Right, exactly. I mean, you, you mentioned obviously you're going uh, when you're you're targeting real alleged extremists in in many of those cases. But now this is, I mean, when you're going after Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani, I mean, Rudy Giuliani was was part of the 9/11 cover-up, and I'm not sure what happened to him when he started getting involved with Hunter Biden's Biden's laptop and everything. That's why you think a lot of this must be theater, but. Yeah, the the idea that he could be again, he sued for defamation, and he a jury awarded these two workers a hundred and forty eight million dollars. I mean, that's kind of, that goes really right along, and he hit it about the same time as the Trump, uh, Supreme, the Colorado Supreme Court ruling saying Trump's name couldn't be on the ballot. That's a double whammy, and again, people are just they're just it's almost as bad as when Alex Jones was uh, you know ordered to pay almost a billion dollars. A some, billion some, dollars. Suspected. What what I mean, a joke. I mean, this is remember when Johnson and Johnson killed untold numbers of people with their talcum powder. Uh, I think they paid a fraction of what Giuliani pay is supposed to pay. I mean, this people don't there, but they again they Trump because of what I think Trump was designed to be. He has a hatred that I I, I don't think any maybe any political figure in the history of the world has ever figured. There there are 70, 80 million Americans. I don't know how many that really do have this Trump range of syndrome. The the hatred is irrational. And they are willing to accept anything and anybody associated with them. That's why they're um, they're able to have the January 6th political prisoners still in prison. I had uh, Ashley Bobbitt's mom on my show again last Friday, the second time, and uh, you know, and another January 6th defendant too, who was uh, prosecuted for being uh, stepping inside the building for 36 seconds. And that's that's the reality. You have somebody like the uh, the Hispanic leader of the alleged racist uh, white proud boys. Uh, strange, strange type of leader for a white supremacist organization. But he he was sentenced to 22 years in prison. He wasn't even in Washington D.C. Enrique Tarrio, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, these are these are, but but again, be, because Donald Trump is involved, 
if they had decided we're going to hang this guy, we're going to hang Joe Biggs, who used to work for Alex Jones. We're going to hang the guy that was in the, there for 36 seconds, whatever. If they decided they're going to do that, there are millions of Americans that will go right on. They love it. They've lost all perspective. They they think that to them, Donald Trump's rhetoric is a crime. Right. They think that's a crime. His so rhetoric, just, his personality, the way he, yeah, his he the way his, yeah. his, you know, his conduct in general. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, they've criminalized it all. And so you can't, you know, there's so many terrible precedents that are being set uh, in, in well, his and, name. And, and yeah, and, and the left is so like emotional and unhinged and, yes. and so easy to rile up. I mean, if you think about it, like the past, I mean, few presidencies have been extremely polarizing. I mean, Trump mm-hmm. was obviously very, very polarizing. People either loved him or hated him, um, it, fanatically so, by the way. There was very few yes. sort of middle of the road type people like nope. you and I, for example, who could see, you know, sort of the goods yeah. and the bads. Um, or like, I mean, even with with Obama, Obama was extremely polarizing. But the people that didn't like Obama um, were not willing and were not organized to get out in the streets and engage in insurrection type behavior and right. attack their political opponents and sabotage his administration and conduct lawfare operations against his administration and his supporters and, you know, target his supporters and stuff like that. So the, the left really has this, um, th- these sort of, uh, like dirty tactics, this sort of like extra, extra constitutional, extra legal strategies down pat. I mean, they, they, this is what these people specialize in. It's, it's basically a form of terrorism essentially. Yeah. Well, they do have it down to pat and they're, they, uh, Again, we've become, you know, we used to talk a lot in the old days about, uh, you know, that uh, we can't have, you have to have a government of laws, not men. Now, we have a law, a government of men now. There's no question. Or men, women, it's, you know, they, them, whatever. But the, the people that are running these uh, courtrooms, these are just, uh, these these judges, the people that are administrating the law, the, the, the attorney generals, the prosecutors, these are all politicized. And so when they see a Hunter Biden laptop and they, they see, when they hear Joe Biden on videotape bragging about getting the Ukrainian prosecutor fired and things like that, obviously a clear evidence of uh, malfeasance, they do nothing. Uh, where's the evidence? There's no evidence against them, but, but Donald Trump can make a phone call to Ukraine and just and be, a stupid phone call, but just ask him to, uh, hey, look into the, you know, the corruption on the part. And that's, that's an impeachable offense. That's where we are. And it, it's everything is politicized. So you have a, we, a great example recently was uh, uh, I had uh, Peter Navarro on my show a few years back, a Trump aide, and he was a, he ended up being convicted of uh, contempt of Congress for refusing to respond to a subpoena, congressional subpoena. Well, last week you, you had Hunter Biden do the exact same thing. And I, I touched on that in my uh, story. Yeah. Yep. I mean, so how either. As I said, you can't expect anybody to – no rational person should respect this person. I have no more argument with the anarchists anymore. I have lots of anarchists that are my supporters. I, I don't have an argument anymore. For how can you possibly respect that kind of authority that blatantly just decides when they're going to you know, punish somebody for the exact same thing? Either it's always wrong and always prosecuted you – know, and you can always be prosecuted for it if you don't respond to a congressional subpoena – or it's no big deal. I mean, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it be a big deal for Peter Navarro or any other Trump supporter 
But for Hunter Biden or anybody else, if you people just shrug and the late night comedians make jokes about him. You can't who can respect a system like that? That's where we are now. Everything yeah. that Trump or his supporters do is a, almost a hanging offense, a capital offense. But nothing that the Clintons and the Obamas and the Bidens do, nothing they do is, is, is ever. There's no evidence, no matter what it is, even when you have the guy on videotape bragging about something. Yeah, it's true. I mean, they all, basically they just gaslight and and psychologically manipulate the American public. And yeah, it's it, their strategy is is very very blatant and it's not hard to figure out. They just get up and tell the biggest boldest lies and just expect you to go along with it. Um I want to wrap up and move on. You mentioned your Hunter Biden story. I do want to talk about that. That was a, a pretty in, in, incredible development, I thought. I mean, I guess it was to be expected, but Sometimes, you know, you, you, you listen to like his press conference, for example, and you're just stunned <laughs> at the audacity of these blatant criminals yeah. and the nerve that they have and the way they're able to just get away with this incredible behavior, incredibly criminal behavior. It's just outrageous. Um, Trump argued that all of these civil cases, these criminal cases against him, this latest you know ruling at the Colorado Supreme Court, which, again, is, is going to be um, – is going to be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, he called it the work of the DOJ and the White House directly, and the Biden administration, and the you know the sort of like deep state operatives behind Biden. And I think that's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. This is clearly a malicious and highly politically driven attempt to prevent him from running from office, just as they attempted to stymie his entire administration very successfully, by the way. And he played right along with it, the big dummy in many cases. <laughs> yeah. um, but he went on to say that this is unprecedented in nature, which of course it is. I mean, the first indictment was unprecedented in nature, let alone four of them, you know, of a former president. It's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, there was a statement that I wanted to read quickly um, from one of Trump's spokesman, his 2024 campaign spokesman, Stephen Chung, uh, he described this crew organization, I think I mentioned earlier, as a Soros-funded group scheming to interfere in an election on behalf of crooked Joe Biden. And he says here, Democrat Party leaders are in a state of paranoia over the growing dominant lead President Trump has in the polls. They have lost faith in the failed Biden presidency and are now, and are now doing everything they can to stop the American voters from voting them out of office next November. And I think that was a very powerful statement, actually, and, and, and mm -hmm. pretty much spot on. And I'm curious, I mean, do you think that Trump will learn from his first term in office and just how hostile the forces arrayed against him are, certainly with all these you know, these uh, criminal and civil cases against him, the way the Supreme Court just ruled in Colorado, the way the media operates. Of course, he's been calling out the media from day one. I frankly am skeptical, especially seeing some of these latest reports that he's considering Nikki Haley to be his running mate. And <laughs> yeah. we can talk about Nikki Haley in a moment as well, because you wrote a profile of her for the paper yeah, yeah. in this recent issue. So go ahead. Why don't you address that? I mean, do you think Trump is yeah. ever going to learn or what? <laughs> well, that's what his – and again, this is – the flip side to Trump derangement syndrome is – I used to call it Trump enablement syndrome. There's still – I don't know how many. I mean, he's lost a lot of – a lot of people have lost faith in him just because of him doing these kinds of things. But – uh, and the fact that he is has all been has largely been all talk and no action, which is why it's laughable that he can continue to be prosecuted about things because he, he his the big offense of Trump is that he just tweeted, he just didn't do things, you know. What's what's did, it what's it Ann Coulter call him the tweeter in chief? Yes, the tweeter, yeah, yeah. And, yep. she, and she's exactly right. So you can't, you know, 
And that's why I said, you know, the, 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 the irony is that millions of people hate him for things he never did and millions of people love him for things he never did. So, I, you know, he would have to be a completely different person to do this. Certainly, if there was any legitimacy about him after what he went through and what he's been going through, if any of this is legitimate, obviously, he's the most persecuted man in American history. Uh, but, you know, I, I just... I think he's part of it, but if, if he isn't, then certainly. But you, as you said, what, uh, the the big tell is we're already getting stories out there that he's of these people he's considering for running mate. Uh, I don't hear v Vivek Ramaswamy's name. You know, I, I don't I don't hear uh, RFK Jr. reaching out to him. No, I, I I hear Nikki Haley, and that's what I've said before. He, he this well, no, and and we should say that this is unconfirmed. These are just speculation, unnamed sources. I think see it. I think the story originally appeared in. Uh, CMSNBC, I think it was, and it's been picked up by other mainstream media outlets. Who knows? I don't think Trump has actually made a statement on it or, like, you know, confirmed or denied no, it. No, no. But I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he did, no. after all, appoint Nikki Haley to be his ambassador to the U.N. Exactly. And she was a never-Trumper then. And and so this – and his entire administration, I've written about this. I, I would like to know how many people even voted for him that he, that he appointed there. Uh, you – I don't – I think you, if you put my – you put a gun to my head. I think he will pick either Nikki Haley or uh, this the black guy from Scott is it maybe somebody like that or maybe uh, uh, the black doctor again. He and again Ben Ben Carson Ben Carson yeah, who, Tim Tim Scott from uh, I think South Carolina. Tim Scott yes yeah. Tim Scott. I think he'll pander in one way or another. Uh, I don't think any of those are good choices. I mean, there's a you know, well. Mike I mean, Mike Pence was a terrible choice for VP. Oh, horrible choice. He would be ridiculous and. But all this, so I don't think he's going to name anybody good. I mean, he could he could do something like, uh, you know, he'd go for uh, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, or so. At least then, if he if he was if he did something like that, at least he's okay. These this is my, who my base would expect me to pick. He doesn't need it. Nikki Haley doesn't bring him anything. He's not going to get uh, like you know the people that hate him hate him. They don't care who he picks. But I've I've heard lots of people say that if he. Uh, you read on forums and stuff that hey, if this is true, if he picks Sahaley, he's he's lost my vote. I don't care, because again, that's that's the first tell, and that's what he's that's the first. Just as Pence's choice was the first indication, okay, what's he going to be like when he gets in office? And sure enough, when he got in there, he had nothing but nothing but establishment choices, nothing but swamp creatures. And if he picks a um, somebody like Nikki Haley, who I think is the worst. I mean, Chris Christie would be pretty bad too, but I, I think Haley's the worst because they're really trying to build her up. And she's the epitome of an empty suit. She's got nothing. I mean, she's selling war, massive authoritarian on steroids. I mean, she's kind of cute, I guess, in a way. That's the only thing she's got. She has nothing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you, you wrote a good profile of her for the paper in this current issue, 51 and 52. And I mean, to me, I look at her, I don't follow her you know, every move or every statement or whatever, but overall, and, and by the way, for, for whatever reason, I mean, she has been getting this big push in the media yes. and, in yeah. the, and, you know, the big, the big GOP donor class and the GOP establishment as some, you know, legitimate contender for Trump. And, you know, that could, she could beat Biden and, you know, this sort of nonsense. <laughs> she has no support whatsoever. Um, yeah. But there've been a lot of uh, Nikki Haley uh, campaign ads on YouTube. I've seen recently mm -hmm. also even on like local television here in the Midwest, but she's basically, I mean, even her, even her campaign ads, what is she running on? She's yeah. Israel for like, basically it like oh, openly yes. Israel first America last. Mm -hmm. She's a neocon globalist. She all she does is demonize China, Iran, Hamas. Yes. 
I mean, she's yeah. openly anti-Trump. She constantly takes digs at Trump. Mm-hmm. I mean, this woman is a, a psychopath, basically. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's it's cartoonish. Yeah, well, Vivek did a great job in the uh, debate, and really, he should, really Vivek should be his first choice. He isn't white, and he is uh, clearly the closest the, out of all those candidates. He's the one that is actually he's the one that's talking about January six. He brings up the Great Replacement theory which no white person will do. And he's, uh, he's the only one that's, he, he still isn't right on Israel and, and, and uh, Palestine, but he at least attempts to be a little balanced. At least and he's it, not like a genocidal maniac like the rest right. of them who right. were telling, yeah, no, that, that most recent debate where they were like, yeah, you know, if I were president, I would tell Netanyahu to go in there and kill them all, you know, like yeah, basically, that, that's what they were saying. That's what Nikki Haley said. Finish him off. And uh, okay, so you know this is who, who is supporting her? I mean, I, I, so so I think that. Uh, well, I'll, I'll that, tell you who's supporting her. <laughs> you actually covered it in your story. Yeah, yeah all, exactly. all the big GOP donors. Right. Hey, this is. Let me just read this quick. Haley is backed by a slew of powerful establishment insiders. Among them are billionaire GOP donor Charles. Is it Coke? Yeah, Coke. Ch- yeah, Coke Charles brother, yeah. Coke. Yeah, the Coke brothers, the infamous Coke brothers, who yeah. the left constantly likes to demonize. Yes, Never yes. mind all the Zionist billionaires that are basically <laughs> yeah. running the GOP. It's all the Coke brothers. But I ne- nevertheless, he is a, a big-time GOP donor, and he apparently is is backing Haley and is funding her campaign. You also mentioned New York hedge fund manager Paul Singer, investor Stanley Drunkenmiller, and Miriam Adelson, the widow of casino mogul Sheldon Adelson, who of course is a Zionist. He passed away. Um, he, Adelson has long been a huge kingmaker of the Republican party. Um, so if yeah. they're backing Haley, that, that tells you something right there. Yeah. And he was one of Trump's, uh, biggest supporters too. So that, that tells me, okay, maybe is, is they, uh, are they switching allegiances here? But again, if, if you, if, if the Republicans, I said at the time when Trump was, uh, uh elected, I, I said he was our last hope, whatever, whatever he was, was our last hope. And I said he's going to be the last Republican president. And I, because I thought either he, what will happen in some way, which did happen, where they, it was ruined, you know, with him being part of it or whatever, but nothing got accomplished, and millions of people of the country got split in, in half as they are now. Or I thought, you know, he, if he does something legitimate, then the Republican Party will become something else. You know, the rhinos will be destroyed, and will be like a real reform party, a real alternative to the uniparty. That obviously didn't happen because the most amazing thing about the Trump phenomenon is that it was a one-person phenomenon. He didn't bring along a bunch of MAGA candidates. And of course, in true Trump tradition, most of the time when there was a MAGA candidate type like the black woman in uh, Pennsylvania that was running with, against Dr. Oz, he always picked the establishment candidate like Dr. Oz. He always endorsed them rather than the candidate that loved his rhetoric. And was calling themselves MAGA, so that's why you know you have to look at. I don't know what Trump is, but um, after after we saw the, the four years that happened, I don't I don't think the idea that the Republican Party as it existed before, because they they expose the fact that there are 70, 80 million voters at least that are awake to some degree to the corruption and tyranny, a tyranny, and some of them to a large degree. They're not going to vote for Nikki. They're not legitimately going to vote for Nikki Haley or Chris Christie or any of those other. Maybe Vivek they might vote for, but they're not going to vote for any of those other any of the established Republicans. They're just never going to do that. 
And so they might how, they might hold their nose and vote for somebody like that just because there's no other options. But you're right, there's no enthusiasm for no, a lot of these establishment people like Haley. The only backing she has is from these big billionaires that run the GOP, you know, right. establishment. Right, and I think that that was the the idea of the, behind the Trump revolution. Again, it was a one man revolution, but the idea of it was that. Uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna vote for the lesser of two evils anymore. The lesser of two evils is still evil. Uh, we did that forever. These are not. I mean, John, John McCain. I mean, yeah, Obama was horrible, but were the people that ran against him John McCainiac or, or Mitt Romney? I mean, how are those choices? So I think that we can't. But but you have Mitt Romney's niece, Rona McDaniel, uh, who's who's the head of the RNC. And again, Vivek is the only one calling her out. She's an awful leader. She, and again, she she represents the epitome of a rhino. She doesn't repent. So where where are those Trump that you, you see a little bit in the, in the Freedom Caucus in the House to some degrees? You've got Thomas Massey, who I think is the best member of Congress generally. <clears throat> and you've got Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, to, to some degree, uh, these people are all OK, Chip Roy, but there's not enough of them. There's what maybe, I don't know, 20 at the most, if, if you, you know, if you really, if you stretch things out. So Rand Paul in the Senate is, you know, kind of a, uh, Ron Paul Light. He's nowhere near as good as his dad. I mean, he's 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 good on some things still. But uh, and again, that's where we we expected when Donald Trump was an office. I expected to see uh, you know Rand Paul should have been Secretary of Defense, Secretary of Treasury, Secretary of State. Right. That I was going to say that, Secretary of State. Yeah, we need somebody yeah, like that. And, and that would have made that would have made a, a, a great symbolic statement. But Trump won't do that. I said before is that this guy he he never never acts on that rhetoric. He never does anything that reflects his rhetoric. He only tweets that stuff. He'll threaten that stuff. So we'll see when push comes to shove. And he obviously doesn't care because I don't think it's legitimate. If he cared, he would know, well, I can't. I see the reaction out there. My people are looking at, the, you know, looking online and they're saying, oh, I'm not going to vote for Trump if your name's Nikki. Nikki Haley, that'd be terrible. You know, at, at at the end of the day, I mean, the the buck stops with him. The buck stops with the president. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah. you know, whatever excuse you want to make, maybe he, you know, he has bad advisors, or he's getting bad yeah. advice, or whatever. He's you know disconnected from the process, or you know, he has all these enemies. Well, yeah, of course, but I mean, he's the president. He's you know, what ultimately happens is it's going to rest in his hands. And yeah. you know, speaking, you know, kind of speaking of like this America first. You know, sort of faction of the GOP versus the GOP old guard. That was actually the title of an article in this issue, mm-hmm. written by Jose Nino. Sort of an analysis of the more MAGA wing of the party and mm-hmm. th- their prospects versus the more establishment GOP. There, there has been like a, a long-running, like sort of civil war within the GOP, so mm-hmm. to speak, with the more yeah. populist America First wing. Um, and, and that's certainly where the energy is. That's certainly where the base is. I mean, right. most most, you know, average Republicans are, are pro-Trump. They're, you know, America first. They want to bring our troops home. They want to end the illegal illegal immigration and this border crisis. We're all I mean, the border is out of control. It's been out of control for a very mm-hmm. long time, but it's almost like unbelievable what's going on. And I, I mean, I guess it's been like this for years now, but seeing some of these reports come out about just how these people are literally being facilitated to invade our country 
and just being flown here and flown there and given this and given yeah. that and we got to you know put, bend over backwards to put them up in hotels and take care yeah. of their kids and give them food stamps and all this other nonsense it's absolutely infuriating yeah. um and yeah i mean i think it, they definitely got their work cut out for them and frankly i don't think trump has been a huge help, as you no, have been sort of explaining. Well, well, what we were talking about, the, the, the situation we have now, which is just um, – it's, it's surrealistic. It's beyond Orwellian where you're, where you're just letting everybody come in, even at the – that's one, one reason I wrote the book Masking the Truth about the COVID PSYOP uh, was I said, you know, the first tell sign that this is not legitimate is that the southern border stayed open. You never sealed that border, and you never – and when they were mandating all the workers had to get vaccines uh, to, to keep their jobs – they never mandated that people coming into the country illegally had to prove that they'd been vaccinated. So politics didn't stop there, but that's that's just genuine madness. And obviously that that was the issue that attracted me to Trump was immigration because I said I don't care about anything else. Yeah, I know he loves the police and I, he would love the police state. He's always been that way, and uh, he's, his statements are all over the place on war. I mean, he said some good things, but he also says you know we'll go bomb the hell out of him and stuff. So I, I realized he had that, but I said, if he just does something about immigration, he'll be the greatest president since JFK. And he was saying, was, but that's why we're in the situation we're in today, where it, it's, uh, we don't even know how many people are coming across. As soon as they are, they're, they're flying them into other areas and clearly just trying to tip the balance of power in uh, red states. It's, it's obvious what they're doing. It could be more obvious, but that could, would, that could only happen because Donald Trump had four years. Yes, I know he was under attack and everything, his first day in office, he promised to sign executive orders banning uh, sanctuary cities, banning birthright citizenship, ending the visa, the H-1B visa worker program, all these things which he never did. He didn't do any of it. And that's why this happened, because he had he finally had somebody in there that was talking about doing it. He ended up deporting fewer people than Obama, which is shocking, but it's the truth. So that's the problem is that so if somehow he got back in, what do I believe that he would do something different? I, I can't believe it because he didn't do anything the first time. I mean, he had the guy. The reason those January six people in prison is, be, is because he told them to come there. And then uh, even even he didn't, you know, he said peacefully and protest. He didn't tell them to go attack anybody, which they didn't do anyhow. But <clears throat> he should have that should have been the 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 gist of his protest. Instead of saying, I was robbed, I went by a landslide and all that, making it about himself, he should have talked about this is, a, you know, he should have talked about the people being in prison, denied all due process, kept in solitary confinement, which is now going on three years. He still doesn't talk about them. Now, Ashley Babbitt's mother, for instance, still loves him. I don't know how, but she does. And I'm not going to, you know, who am I going to you know, criticize that poor woman? But and a lot of these people do. Joe Biggs, when he was sentenced, he said, yeah, I, I think Trump will pardon us. I don't have any confidence he'll pardon you because he could have pardoned them in he could have pardoned them ahead of time. As he went out of office, he could have said, well, he, he could have maybe realized, hey, look, look, this, they're serious. They're talking about these are insurrections. So he could have pardoned, he could have pardoned himself, I think, if he wanted to do it. But he he did none of that. Instead, he pardoned the president of death row records and also didn't pardon Assange or Snowden or any of that. Uh, you know, that there was that no, was very revealing. The people yes. that he chose to go out of his way to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was incredible. Yeah. And again, he's. That's nobody stopped him from doing that, but they made excuses for him even then. Well, the Republicans said they would impeach him. They, 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 he, they impeached him twice already. I mean, it was ridiculous. He was saying they weren't going to have enough Republicans to vote. It, the whole thing was so stupid. But um, 
that's why. I mean, I, I still I'm a political junkie, and uh, but I, I just this this especially now it's so disillusioning. You know how much I loved Robert F. Kennedy Jr. being a Kennedy fan, and to see him going around and, and just uh, uh, you know getting on bending his knee to Israel like he's doing is just it's just isn't really it so pathetic? Sad. I mean, it's, it's sad it's, to it's, see. It really is. It's so pathetic, and it's literally the entire political class. And that's something I want to kind of wrap up this podcast by talking about is the situation in Israel and. The, the the quote unquote crisis of anti-Semitism in America. Before we do that, you you had mentioned how you wrote a piece about Hunter Biden, um, and I did want yeah. to just briefly mention that you you kind of already have, have addressed it, but um, yeah. it was an interesting article I thought. Uh, basically, Hunter Biden is thumbing his nose at Congress, yeah. saying he is refusing to testify, apparently behind closed doors, which I think Don Jr. had to do. Um, yeah. And he's essentially ignoring – I mean what, what it boils down to is he, he is ex- essentially ignoring a congressional subpoena. And the double yeah. standards on display here are just simply breathtaking. If a Trump associate or family member or a Trump supporter engaged in this type of behavior, mm-hmm. they'd be on the front page of every major newspaper. They'd be on every major media outlet across the country demonized as an arch criminal. The media would be demanding that they be arrested and imprisoned, and they quickly would be. Absolutely. And that's that's why you can't have uh, – the system we have now has become so politicized where you have people being prosecuted either for things that no one ever has been prosecuted for. Donald Trump exa- exaggerating the value of your assets. I mean who, who has, how many millions of people have done that over the course of time? Uh, that's not a crime. Uh, well, and, and the funny thing was, is he, 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 they say that he exaggerated his, his value, the, the value of his real estate, but the loan that he got, he paid back in full with interest. Yeah. I mean, like, where, where's so, so the, where's the harm in what, what was yeah. done? It's like incredible. They're, they're grasping at straws. I mean, it's yeah, so apparent. Yeah. And again, and what's, what's scary is what this, what these set precedents for. So in the future, some real thought criminal like you or me. They could say, hey, you know what? They could come up with some way to say, this guy, yeah, he 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 was he was going around telling everybody his house was worth eight hundred thousand dollars and it was really only worth six hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it's the same thing. Lock him up. Yeah, lock him <laughs> it's up. It's ridiculous. You know, when they came up with the crazy woman that uh, you know said that he raped her at some time in the nineteen nineties, she didn't even know the year it took place, and he was convicted. Now, what's to stop them from finding a, a girl from you know from any of our past? To come and, you know, 30 years ago at a party, uh, we don't remember when exactly or where exactly, but you did this. What? That's the same kind of evidence they use that he was convicted on. Again, it sets precedent. So that's why this is the same thing with Alex Jones and Sandy Hook. And the other things that if, we, you know, you're, you know, if you question some event, oh, you know, they're, they're usually their families involved in some way. 9-11, for instance, you know, they could they could get any 9-11 truther and say, you know, you know you've harassed the families by doing this. You know, we're going to sue you for almost a billion dollars. These set terrible precedents, and I keep trying to tell. It doesn't matter about the personality. So many people hate Alex Jones, even in the alternative news media, and certainly with Trump. doesn't matter what these personalities are. It doesn't matter who it is, what I think of them. It sets precedents, and once that, that this has been established, that, that they can do this, they can do this to every one of us, but we just people just can't seem to see that. They're, they're responding to the stimuli, and in this case – Trump is the stimulus, and they either hate or love him. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious. What do you think of the prospects of this investigation into Hunter Biden, into Joe Biden, and the broader 
Biden crime family or, you know, I know there's like some impeachment hearings going on. I'm wondering, will Biden ever be held accountable? I mean, it's very obvious that (laughs) the the entire family was engaged in this influence peddling scheme. I mean, we're talking about corruption at the highest levels. We're talking about the selling out of America, basically. By the way, let me mention, um, we're actually about to publish a special report called Joe Biden Useful Idiot, which details like the entire Biden crime family gets into his first term in office, his agenda is like radical far left agenda, all the crimes, you know, that, that in the influence peddling schemes and, and basically what we know right now. And it's just, I mean, like how much more evidence do we need at this point? I mean, it's really yeah. incredible. Yeah, no, it, it is. And I, I myself for American free press alone, I don't know how many articles I've written over the years Yeah, uh, oh, I know. About, about the Bidens in Ukraine. I mean, I, it makes my head. So I'm try I try to remember the details sometimes, but there's, there's so much, I guess, you know, refer to my past articles uh, here, but I mean, there's so much evidence of, you know, Hunter Biden getting, you know, this this amount of money from all these other countries, especially in Ukraine, ironically, that, you know, we're now the the, uh, the hub of democracy, supposedly. Um, and, and you know, we have the, the guy that was on Tucker Carlson when he was he was doing good work. He had his friend on there that talked about the big guy getting his 10 percent and uh, all these things. And it, it, but it just doesn't matter. And of course, you have Joe Biden's confession on videotape. I can't stress that enough. I mean, how much better evidence is it to have it on videotape bragging about getting the Ukrainian prosecutor uh, fired? Just imagine if Trump had done that. So and and nothing nothing sticks. It doesn't matter. But again, it's because the system is totally politicized. And if you're on if you're on their side, the Bidens are on their side. They're playing the game the way they want. Nothing they do. They're going to be able to just like Hillary Clinton was. It didn't matter what Hillary Clinton did. Hillary Clinton can destroy a laptop, uh, have a laptop destroyed with sledgehammers and bleach and delete 50,000 emails or whatever the hell it was. Doesn't matter. Nothing happens. And nothing happened to her under Trump's Justice Department. Her arch enemy was in office. That's again, you talk about Trump. Anybody out there that still supports Donald Trump, consider that I don't care what was happening to him. It, where he was under attack, he had the power of the presidency of the United States, and he he had the Justice Department under him, and somehow he couldn't get uh, his his attorneys generals to prosecute somebody. I mean, you have all this evidence, and that there was that, and that was one of his <clears throat> main campaign talking points: yes, lock exactly. her up, lock her up. Yeah. No, he didn't lock her up. He didn't investigate her. Also, and that's you know if you can if you can admittedly. I mean, when you're doing things like that's mafia type stuff, you know, using a sledgehammer or bleach or whatever. I mean, and not to mention, I mean, during the course and I'm, you know, I'm working on uh, another book to be the fourth volume of Hidden History Now, where I, I talk about uh, just, you know, keeping up with the Clinton body count, the body count in general. But I mean, when Hillary was running for president, it was a whole lot more, you know, the, the guy that was going to testify against her and drop the barbell on his throat in a gym and was crushed to death, things like that. Another guy, I think, was pushed in front of a train. Those those things are still happening. It's it's so it's I mean and was it just last year you had in fact I was writing it up the other day for the for the next book where the guy was uh, you had two deaths you had the one guy that was he he was found hanged with a gunshot to his chest Mark Middleton and this was a guy that had let uh, uh, Epstein into the Clinton White House on seven of the seventeen documented times he he visited uh, Clinton at the White House. This guy was found hanged with a bullet shot to his chest, and the authorities concluded he, he committed suicide. And as I point out in the book, you know, which came first, the gunshot or the hanging? When you have authorities doing something like that, 
that's so in your face. That that is that's beyond mafia type of rhetoric. This is you're, you're, these are the authorities. They're concluding really, and you expect me to believe that. And there was also a tangential death connected. There was another woman uh, who was found uh, in the water of river, I think, with a, a cement block tied around her ankle, and again, accidental drowning. So this you know this this is where we're at, and these are both more. Uh, bodies tied to the Clintons and uh, nothing ever happened and nothing ever will happen to them. And they, there's way more documentation there for the Biden. I mean, the Bidens certainly have done some bad stuff too, but the Clintons have never, you know, if they've never been prosecuted, nothing's going to happen to Biden again, because those are the people that are in control right. of the system. He's on their team. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and, you know, it's incredible. I mean, I, I do think that Trump is probably leading in the polls by a significant margin, not only among Democrats, but certainly against Biden, if you were to yeah. face him head on. Mm -hmm. I think he w won in a landslide, probably in the 2020 election. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, I just don't see how at this point, given, you know, everything we know, I mean, and, and just given Biden's record, I mean, what can they dem what can the Democrats possibly run on in this 2024 election? I mean, <laughs> I we've got a war in Ukraine that yeah. is raging on. We've given like every cent we have to Ukraine over the course of the past two years. Now we're giving all our money to Israel in another war. We have inflation out of control, um, you know, open borders. I mean, it goes on and on and on. It's just like one disaster after the other. We got trainees at the White House. We have, I mean, it's just, it's yeah. like, what are they possibly going to run on? Well, what did they run on in the, the 2022 midterms? I mean, it's, An, I, anti, I it was all anti-Trump, anti-MAGA stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, this is this is the worst economy the country is seeing in modern times. I mean, what, what are you running on? And yet, you know, a lot of people, the Republicans didn't do anywhere near as well as uh, the average out of uh, power party does in midterm elections, let alone what you should done in in this unprecedented economy. So again, I think we underestimate the the hatred that millions of Americans feel for Donald Trump. And so they're supportive. They're, they're never going to protest any of these. They're, they don't care about the political prisoners in D.C. They don't care what happens to them. They can keep them there for the next uh, you know 50 years without uh, them going to trial. They don't care. They don't care. I've tried to I've tried to talk to them and they just give you it's it's amazing. It's, it's Trump derangement syndrome. I think we can't underestimate that. And I I don't know what's going to happen in 2024, but I think uh, the the result will be uh, predetermined. I think uh, whoever the president is will be selected, not elected. Mm, right. Well, I want to wrap up and talk about the situation <laughs> over in occupied Palestine. Um, I mean, obviously, I think I mentioned at the beginning, the last, <laughs> the last time we spoke on a podcast was back in April. So there's been a lot that's happened, including <laughs> including this this situation in, in Israel spiraling out of control. I mean, at this point, it, it's pretty obvious that, it, and, and Israel is essentially admitting it, they're basically engaging in an open genocide ethnic cleansing campaign in yep. Gaza and in the West Bank even. And this is yep. something, you know, this is like long-running Israeli policy, but now it's like sort of on steroids in the aftermath mm -hmm. of this uh, alleged surprise Hamas attack on October 7th. And it's interesting. I mean, Phil Giraldi wrote about this. Uh, Dr. Kevin Barrett wrote about this, um, the Middle East situation and this issue. I've got a piece about it as well. Um, well, it's, it, it's not necessarily about the Middle East, but it ties into it. And, it, you know, it's, it's amazing. Like, if you were to only watch the mainstream news, you'd think that the biggest problem confronting the U.S. right now would be the rise of anti-Semitism in, yes. in the wake of the alleged, <clears throat> you know, a, Hamas attack on Israel and, and you know, yeah. forget about the Palestinians, forget about, you know, 
struggling Americans. Forget about the homeless crisis. Forget about everything. It's all about the Jews and anti-Semitism and people criticizing Israel and people maybe saying mean things or critical things about Jews. It is absolutely astonishing that this is th – these are the priorities of the people that, that are in charge here. It, it's oh, on absolutely. it's on vivid display for everyone to see. First off, I got to ask you, what, what do you what, what's like your overall thoughts on this alleged surprise attack? We ran a piece um, in in yeah. a recent issue of the newspaper. The New York Times is openly reporting that Israel had intelligence that Hamas was planning yeah. something of this nature like over a year in advance. I have a hard time um, accepting that Israel didn't know something like this was happening. I think a lot of what we've heard about October seventh is fabricated. Is probably not even true. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, certainly a lot of the atrocity propaganda, the beheaded babies, the um, the rapes, the murder, the torture. This is all nonsense. And yet Netanyahu and even U.S. politicians continue to run with these absurd tales. It's like the Holocaust all over again. Um, yeah. So I'm curious, what are your just like your overall thoughts about the event? It's been described as Israel's 9-11. We know how many yeah. questions we have about America's 9-11. <laughs> Right. Well, I think it's obviously been greatly ex exaggerated. And again, the, the the we Americans should be skeptical of anything that's reported to them, especially anything to do with Israel, because Israel runs our foreign policy and has since uh, really since uh, JFK was assassinated, and um, it was maybe a slight blip during the Carter years. But other than that, they they have run our foreign policy completely. When the neocons became established in the Reagan years. Um, that was it. So our foreign policy is built around Israel and whatever. And you saw whatever whatever happened there after it happened. You saw nothing. But I mean, Tulsi Gabbard, who I used to have a pretty general favorable opinion of, again, just like RFK Jr., disgraced herself, sounding like Nikki Haley. So there there was, again, Vivek is the only one that even halfway was, uh, you know, kind of unbiased or, you know, level handed his treatment of the subject. Other than that, it's been so pro-Israel, we stand with Israel, Israel has a right to defend herself. I, I don't say that we should get involved and fight for the Palestinians. I mean, I, my sympathies are with them because their land was stolen. I think, you know, there's, I don't think that's, uh, that's right. And we, you know, our, we paid for it basically with our tax dollars. And we're still paying for it. But uh, I, th I think we need to get out of all these situations. We need to pull the plug on Israel and everybody else and say, you know, no more money. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, Palestine, I, I feel bad for you, but uh, I, it's not our fight. You know, what, what is what is this? What, how does this affect America at all? It's, uh, it's not it's, we, we have our collapsing country here. Our infrastructure has been touched in 60 years. We have massive corruption everywhere. Disparity of wealth the world has never seen before. The last thing we need well, to be worried about is Hamas or Hezbollah. Right. Well, wasn't it Nancy Pelosi that said that America could literally collapse and we'd still give them money, still give Israel, un, you know, unwavering <clears throat> yeah, political sure. diplomatic support, not to mention all the financial support that they need? I mean, right. literally, that, these people yeah. place the interests of Israel and and really like organized Jewry more broadly, like ahead of America. I, yeah. And I mean, it's incredible. Like, I mean, literally, like all you hear about is rising anti-Semitism from all these political people. Right. Right. Um, it, it's it's incredible. I mean, the way in which like the entire political class, maybe except for Thomas Massey. I mean, he seems to be the only one yeah, yeah, he's that's the only one. sort of pushing back on this. The yeah. way our entire political class slavishly supports Israel yeah. and and just the Jews generally. I mean, is it not revealing like the way our government works, the priorities of our government, the priorities of the media? I mean. How much more obvious does it have to be at this point? It's it's incredible. Yeah. 
Absolutely. You're exactly right. It, it is as obvious as it gets. And they, there's no question that those in charge uh, are more committed to Israel than, uh, than America first. And, and that goes for Trump. Donald Trump has streets named after him in Israel. He did keep his promises to them. Uh, he didn't keep his yeah, and he's, he's and he's still bragging about that. Yeah, and so I think that's where it, and it get people. It doesn't matter, you know, what country it is. Uh, it, it is Israel, obviously. The rising tide of anti-Semitism that's just absolutely ridiculous, and we see what happens. Uh, and the rights commitment to freedom of speech was exposed when uh, they had all those Harvard students who I probably wouldn't agree with on many issues, but on this issue, I think they were right. Or even if I didn't think they were right, they had the right to express themselves and that's the whole idea what cancel culture is about but the right people like megan kelly uh made asses of themselves because there's the exact same thing that has been done to conservative speakers on campus and you either believe in freedom of speech or you don't so i have some strange uh bedfellows in this one i'm uh you have uh you know rashida talib and uh the squad they're the only ones that have been you know have spoken out against this and uh, yeah. i wouldn't agree with them on probably any other issue but on this issue, they're exactly right. And uh, so I, I don't know what's good about it. But it, it's again, it's just it's just one more disturbing element uh, of this this absolute tyranny that rules us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's amazing. I mean, while the media d drones on endlessly about rising levels of anti-Semitism, the real threat to world peace appears to be coming from the Zionists in Israel, yeah, the, these fanatics right. in Israel and their agents and supporters in the West. I don't know if you saw that story that I wrote on page 19 of this most recent issue about this Georgia middle school teacher. Did you catch that? Oh, but the, that threatened to behead the little girl? Yeah. Yeah, this guy, yeah, Benja yeah. Benjamin Reese. Yeah, yeah, Benjamin Reese. And I mean, think about this. This did get some mainstream media coverage. Yeah. But not the not the level that it should have. Wow, I mean, this is really an incredible story. Yeah, it is. And, and it goes totally against the narrative. Obviously, here's yeah. a, here's a, a, te a the guy's name is Benjamin Reese, a 51 year old seventh grade social studies teacher at a school in Georgia, Warner Robins Middle School. He uh, apparently I mean, he claims to be Jewish. I mean, I'm taking him at his word. I mean, he says he's Jewish. He had an Israeli flag displayed in his classroom. And a student came in and, and asked, you know, what, why is this hanging in the room? Reese, like, had an emotional meltdown and, like, freaked out at this student, threatened to behead her, threatened to drag her out into the parking lot and cut off her head, was cussing. I mean, was just really saying some incredible things. And this was all witnessed by, like, literally 20 people at the school, and they all reported yeah. this to authorities. I mean, there's, like, a, a police yeah. report. You can read about it. Um, some of the things that he said were very incredible. He said, let me see here, actually. Um, yeah, he cussed her out, he, awful language and everything. Yeah, yeah he, yeah, he basically said that um, no one should make a statement like that to a Jew. Nobody should make any anti, <laughs> quote-unquote anti-Semitic comment yeah. like that to a Jew. And then he went on to say um, – he, yeah, basically I, I should not be spoken to like that because I'm a Jew. The yeah. privilege and the nerve and the arrogance that these people yeah. have, and Adam. and what and what did this what did this girl say? Mm -hmm. She simply said, "Look, I don't know why you have this flag up in class. That's probably inappropriate, and I'm mm -hmm. against Israel murdering Palestinians. Right? I mean, right. you can't even be against Israel bombing babies and murdering <laughs> innocent people without being called an anti-Semite. The, yeah. the 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 disconnect from reality with this particular group of people." 
is simply breathtaking and, and, and astonishing. And it's really at this point, it is threatening the peace of the world. It has for a very long time. Yeah, but these people are fanatics. They're out of control. They are totally disconnected from reality. They view any sort of criticism or just frank, you know, straightforward analysis of what they themselves are up to and what their agenda is as a form of hatred, as like a, an, a, a threat to their very existence. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you're, you're exactly right. That was entitlement on display. And I, I, if that guy is ever allowed to teach again, it would be uh, just um, unbelievable. Right. Well, Don, I'll tell you what. I think we'll leave it there. We, um, we you know, obviously there, there's never a shortage of topics to discuss, and we're going to be wrapping up this year, 2023. It went by really fast, and 2024 is going to be very interesting to say the least. Certainly, yeah. with this election coming up, and with all the drama surrounding <clears throat> all of Trump's legal cases, and of course with two wars raging that America has not only instigated and facilitated but is outright financing and supporting diplomatically against the wishes of virtually the entire rest of the world um it's a a pretty incredible time to be alive and a really um you know it shows the disgraceful nature of this totally corrupt bought and sold government that we have unfortunately ruling over us yep yes sir so, all right, Don. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's good to catch up okay, with you. Okay, brother. Yeah, Merry Christmas, man, and uh, Happy Merry New Year. Christmas, I'll talk man. to you soon. Okay, take care, sir. Bye-bye. Bye.